Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Welcome back, everybody. We're at the Red Deer Golf and Country Club, live in location. Bob Stoffer, Camoon, Brendan Escott, Angie Quinnell, all part of the team here. Uh, do you want to mention, last night was the auction part for the players. There's basically 15 past and present Edmonton Oilers, 15 past and present Calgary Flames. Uh, just on the auction part last night, uh, they raised $775,000 uh, for charity. So... Somebody had an auction over a hundred thousand bucks. I remember the first year I came down here in 2018, uh, 58,000 was the highest bid for Glenn Sather. So there you have it. Uh, great job by Ron McLean and uh, the whole gang. It was a, a good time last night. We're going to continue down that path right now as we speak. We are going to head off to the River Curry Resort Casino Hotline and welcome back to the show. One of the most plugged in men in the business. He is presented. On orders now by the horses and horse racing Alberta. It's August. That means Canadian Derby time. Make plans to be at Century Mile Saturday, August the 26th. Tickets on sale now. Visit the Century Mile website or thehorses.com. We welcome back to the show daily face-offs, Frank Saravalli. Hello, Frank. How are you doing? Uh, pretty good, Bob. How's Red Deer treating you? Uh, well, <laughs> Red Deer is awesome. I've come to that conclusion. I, I, I think we've discussed this privately before. Several of the guys that are heavily invested in this tournament, like Terry Lowen, who played with Sheldon Kennedy and Swift Current, and uh, Al Sims and those guys have become prominent parts uh, and, and helped out the Oilers Community Foundation as well. And I think it's about a 70-30 split here in terms of from a fan perspective, but this tournament is a 50-50 tournament. The Flames have brought a strong presence to it. It's great to see both organizations working together to help out a charitable cause in the province. I swear, one of these days I'm going to come to Red Deer and I'm going to hang out during a, a Battle of Alberta game. I'm going to write about what it's like to be in a local watering hole uh, for one of those games. That would be awesome. Well, it's funny because we had Thomas McClarty here from the Commodores, and he was going to school in the state of Alabama when Bear Bryant was uh, uh, coaching at Bama. And I know Greg Wachinski wrote a piece in ESPN, Frank, during the, the playoffs. I think you wrote one as well on the Battle of Alberta, and he compared to educate Americans. He said it was like Alabama-Auburn in football. That's kind of what the Battle of Alberta was like. So I don't know. Uh, hey, I got to do this. Uh, because we haven't had you on since the orders on, on this show. I know you've done other platforms, um, including the Daily Face-Off podcast and all that, but I'd like to get your thoughts on the orders organization, Daryl Cates announcing on uh, Thursday and then having a presser after. Uh, Jeff Jackson, the new CEO of uh, Oilers Hockey Operations, your thoughts. I uh, love it. I think it's an incredibly smart move by the Oilers. I think when you look at Jeff Jackson and his resume, it's basically unequaled in terms of all the different boxes that he checks. Um, you know, played in the NHL, is an attorney, uh, worked in an NHL front office as an assistant general manager for a Canadian team in Toronto. Uh, help develop players leading their minor league system, then goes and, and is a prominent player agent and has a development you know, process in place in terms of getting you know, players that are 14 or 15 years old and helping shepherd them through their career to the NHL. And, oh, by the way, just has happened to represent Connor McDavid since he was 15. I mean, 
when you add all of those things together, it's kind of amazing that no one has approached or maybe that's not even fair to say because we don't know that that's fact, that no other team has tried to poach Jeff Jackson before this because he just makes all the sense in the world. I think the Oilers, one of the things we talked about going back a few months to the end of the, the playoff run was they need some kind of succession plan in place. Yes. Uh, no secret that Bob Nicholson and Ken Holland are not going to be around forever in terms of working and grinding on the day-to-day uh, basis. And to have someone in place like Jeff Jackson, who's got lots of good ideas and has connections already in place, uh, I think just makes all the sense in the world and I think is, is really going to put this team, uh, allow this team to continue to grow. Well, I mean, Ken Holland's going into the fifth and final year of his deal. It will take him into his late 60s. Uh, Bob Nicholson might be 70 now. He's, I think he's either 69 or 70. Uh, one of the things that's important, in my opinion, is that Edmonton had somebody with negotiation experience. Jeff Jackson has it on both ends of the house. He's negotiated on um, representing an NHL organization on deals, and obviously he's negotiated as an agent. We've seen Kent Hughes in Montreal, Bill Zito. Uh, now, neither Hughes nor Zito had the same, in my opinion, caliber of book. I mean, they didn't have a Connor McDavid or an Aaron Eckblad. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think it's quite beneficial that the Oilers do have a guy with a heavy negotiation experience, Karen. I don't mean to disrespect, like Bill Scott does a lot of the Oilers' work behind the scenes. He's, a, he's a, ostensibly an assistant GM. Uh, but to have a guy that's been on the front lines of both sides a lot, I think that's very important as well. Yeah, and I think that's key, but also the stability factor. I mean, the big thing for the Oilers moving forward is, you know, it starts right at the top of the roster. Yeah. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. You know, I when you look at those two players, uh, they're the foundation of your franchise. And when you have someone like Jeff Jackson that has – a strong relationship with Connor McDavid and you know that McDavid and Dreisaitl have a strong relationship. I think it just gives you all the uh, runway in the world to make sure that you keep those players in house, which I don't really have any doubt that that'll be the case. We're joined right now by Frank Saravalli for the horses and horse racing Alberta. Canadian Derby time this August, August 26th, Saturday. Make plans to be at Century Mile. So, Frank, a week ago yesterday, we talked about the probability of, uh, you know, the owners being able to retain McDavid and Drysaddle. I'm always conservatively optimistic you know that and i said well better than 50 percent. i believe you said 75 percent did you have any knowledge uh a week ago at this time that uh, jeff jackson might indeed be joining the orders organization i did not and when i said better than 70 percent chance i too was also being conservative i think you always have to allow for some wiggle room and the potentiality to be wrong um, and in this case, you know, knowing the relationships that are in place, even before this move, you know, came to light, I was feeling really confident in their ability to keep everyone together. I mean, where else is Leon Dreisaitl going to have the opportunity to play with Connor McDavid? The answer is nowhere. Um, and more than that, it just feels like there's unfinished business here that these two guys 
want to finish what they started and maybe not just once either. So they've got an incredible opportunity here and I'd have to bump that number up now knowing that uh, Jeff Jackson is in place to, to north of 90%. Wow. I hope you're right, because as Jeff said in the press conference, everybody would like to see uh, Connor McDavid, you know, spend his whole career in Edmonton. We talked to, you know, it's interesting uh, because sometimes you hear recycled names for positions around the league. I don't know if anybody, you, you kind of alluded to it. We didn't really hear Jeff, Jeff and maybe it was just a byproduct that people thought, well, he's never going to leave representing Connor McDavid. So... Uh, you know, Paul Coffey and Jeff credited Paul Coffey for a large percentage of the, the negotiation. But this is an outside-the-box hire, isn't it, to a certain degree? Not really. I mean, look, first off, it's been in vogue for, you mentioned some of the names that have yep. made the transition from agent to general manager, and in this case, now CEO of Hockey Ops. Um it's not really outside the box. And when, when you consider the resume, as I mentioned earlier, and what's the next best thing to representing Connor McDavid, it's having a chance to get your name on the Stanley Cup next to Connor McDavid. That's uh-huh. pretty powerful and enticing. So um, I would have to think that's the next step forward, as difficult as it might have been to leave some of that um, autonomy or um i guess you know might uh when you have a stable like that and a a player in your fold that you can you know help recruit other clients you could always go back to that if you if you need to and jeff jackson's a smart guy so if that were ever the case um he decides that hockey ops isn't for him I just think there's so many people out there, whether it's agents or league executives or uh, pick any category of, of job that's in the hockey world, even media. I'm sure there's somewhere deep down some kind of itch to accomplish something as a team and, and chase an elusive Stanley Cup. And that, you know, that power is sometimes too much to to walk away from yeah well I, I, you know it's it certainly was well received in Edmonton I'd say since Daryl Cates has owned the team of all of the decisions that have been made I mean Steve Tamalini was brought in shortly after he took over ownership of the team as Kevin Lowe went to become president and then when Tamalini was moved along was Craig McTavish and then from Craig McTavish to Pete Shirelli Pete Shirelli initially was met quite positively as you know Frank here at Edmonton unfortunately that and sometimes people People forget that that Shirelli, well, he'd won before in Boston, and boy, it was a coup to get him. Uh, Ken Holland, I think we can fairly say, has settled the Oilers organization down uh, from a, a couple back-to-back missed playoff years with McDavid and Drysaddle. Uh, he's had the eighth-best record in the league. I, I you know, I don't want to underscore this, but I think the, frankly, Frank, I, I think the uh, Oilers are in a, a, a pretty good. Doesn't mean they're going to win the cup, but I think they're in a pretty decent position here. They got a lot of things that are kind of pulling in the rope in the right direction right now, Frank. Well, you use the term um, settled down the Oilers in referring to Ken Holland, and that I think is the term I would use stability now with Jeff Jackson having a succession plan in place because that was a big question mark given some of the roles that I mentioned with Bob Nicholson and Ken Holland. Who's going to be steering the ship? 
We know that Paul Coffey plays a huge role behind the scenes in terms of having a voice and, and, and steering the ship. But who's going to be the person day-to-day in Edmonton um, on a daily basis making sure that this team is leaving no stone unturned to try and chase that Stanley Cup? Having you know the leadership at the top now with uh, Jeff Jackson in place to then go out and, and find the next general manager of this team, whoever that might be, after whenever it is that Ken Holland decides that um, his Hall of Fame career is, is winding down, that they're going to be in a, a perfect spot to continue to, uh, to do that. The stability is now, the infrastructure is now in place. This show is called Oilers Now, Frank, and some would say we've been too Oilers-centric uh, in this segment. Is there anything percolating around the league that has caught your eye or ears? No, I think it's a lot of the same stories that we've been focusing on this summer. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've had your fill talking about the Eric Carlson trade. Um, what did you think of that? What did you think of the deal? I thought the winner of the trade was the Montreal Canadiens. Explain why. And I just, they didn't have to do anything to get more flippable assets. And a Jeff Petrie, they unloaded a contract in Mike Hoffman that they were trying to move all summer. And they got a second round pick in the process to help facilitate it all. I mean, it was a no-lose situation for the Canadians. And I think... People listening to this will say, well, hold on a second. Didn't the Pittsburgh Penguins get a 100-point defenseman who's won three Norris trophies, the first reigning Norris Trophy winner to be traded uh, in the offseason since 1961? And my answer to that would be Eric Carlson and his success, I need to see it happen again, and I need to see it happen with a different structure because – First off, we've seen Eric Carlson uh, play on a blue line in San Jose with another impact defenseman who can steal some oxygen in Brent Burns, and that didn't really quite work out. Now he's got Chris Letang on the same blue line who's also a right shot. I'm not saying that it can't work, but I think you have to delegate the responsibilities and ice time accordingly. And how will Eric Carlson fare at you know, age 33, turning 34, um, in a different system with a different risk profile. One of the great things about Mike Sullivan and his staff is they kind of just let Chris Letang do his thing. You know, he serves up the occasional pizza through the middle of the ice, but he also really consistently scores you 65 to 70 points. Can you manage that with two guys that, really don't focus a ton on defense and defensive zone play? Do you have the proper support and structure around them? And, oh, by the way, Carlson has four more years at $10 million a year on your salary cap and has a significant injury history. So I would put the Pens uh, in the, the second spot in terms of winners of the deal. And the San Jose Sharks would go in third because not wow. only did they not <laughs> – get a lot for Eric Carlson. They took on bad contracts. They only got a first-round pick in exchange for taking on contracts that on their own merit likely would have warranted a first-round pick to eat those deals. And I get that the deal had to be made, that Eric Carlson wanted to move on. But if you could tell me in 
a minute or less what exactly the San Jose Sharks plan is, I think you should win an award. Yeah, well, no, it's uh, it's an interesting one on that. I mean, think back to December, Frank. At that time, we'd heard they were looking for three number ones, and they were only willing up to eat up to 18% on the contract. In the end, they ate like 12.5%, and they only got the number one, the you know, the one number one, and I'm with you. You know, a lot of people thought that we were going to see Grandlin bought out. I do, I do not like this deal for San Jose at all, and... Uh, Part of me wonders whether or not a little bit of an inexperience is showing there. And I get what Dubas did. He made a splash. Uh, we will tell you Sheldon Kennedy will join us today at 105. Frank Cervalli from Daily Faceoff joining us on the Rivercree Resort Casino Hotline. I'm with you, man. Uh, that's how I had that trade ranked as well. I, I, Montreal continues to interest me, Frank. They are very proactive, aren't they? Well, nothing that they do, or at least nothing that they've done in a big, splashy, sexy way is going to garner headlines under Ken Hughes and Jeff Gordon. But I think this trade is yet another example. If you look at all of their transactions on paper, maybe 12 or 13 wins that are of the marginal variety that you stack up one upon the other that I think result in in a big win at the end. Uh, it seems like everything that they do has been really smart, calculated. They have a plan. They've gotten the, the Montreal market on board. I mean, think about this. For a team that has won 24 Stanley Cups and is as hockey mad as any other market, they are completely and 100% bought in on the rebuild. I don't know that you could have said that or done that 10 years ago. But when you begin to make moves like they have and people can see the vision behind it, going back to the lack of a coherent plan that I think San Jose has had, uh, they've been missing out on. Montreal has that. And you may not agree with it. You may not love it. But at the end, you can see where they're heading. And now they've got a quality forward group. They need help on the back end. They need a succession plan that they've yet to develop for Carey Price for the long term of who's going to hold down the net. But I think that forward group in Montreal, give it another year or two, and it's it's going to be up there in, in the top ten in the league. Frank, final question for you. Frank Saravalli for Daily Faceoff of the Horses and Horse Race in Alberta, July 26th as a Canadian Derby. Frank, you're in Philadelphia, okay? And so this is going to be a rebuild for the Flyers, and it might be a couple years. Does it make it easier to rebuild in an American market where there's multiple teams and the hockey team doesn't take all the oxygen out of the room? I mean, you got the Eagles. They're probably a Super Bowl favorite this year out of the NMC. Uh, you know, the baseball team's there, the basketball team's there. And as a result, does it feel to you at times like there ends up being less pressure in those markets to sell something uh, in the short term like a rebuild than it does in Canada where the entire lens and microscope is on the teams? Um, I would say yes and no. I think there's pros and cons to both parts of it. Um, the pro is that in the short term, there may be less pressure because you have other teams in the market as successful as they've been, as you mentioned. The Phillies went to the World Series last year. The Eagles went to the Super Bowl. The soccer team here, the Philadelphia Union, went to the MLS final. Like it, It's been an incredibly successful run in this market. 
But I'll tell you what, at the same time, for the first time in my lifetime, the Flyers are not just struggling for relevance, they have none. And I think I'd much rather be in a Canadian market in that sense where for, you know, better or for worse, unless you're in Toronto, you're pretty much the only game in town. And I don't run from pressure. I love it. Um, I'd want to be in that spot where I have all the eyeballs on my my franchise, my um, my team, trying to build something and, and make it uh, as rabid a fan base as possible as opposed to sprinkling it out between the different teams. Frank, great stuff. Thank you for joining us here on uh, Oilers Now. Have a good one, Bob. Enjoy Red Deer. Oh, we're enjoying Red Deer. Thank you very much. That is Frank Saravalli for Daily Faceoff and the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta Canadian Derby again July 26th. When we come back, or August 26th, rather, Saturday, August the 26th. When we return on Oilers Now, Brendan Escott will have NHL today for elite promotional marketing. We're live in location at the Red Deer Golf and Country Club. Welcome back, everybody. We are uh, live in Red Deer Golf and Country Club, Central Alberta Child Advocacy Center, the Battle of Alberta Golf Tournament. And uh, Sheldon Kennedy will join us today at 105, but not before we go to uh nhl today which is presented by elite promotional marketing your local branded merchandise specialist head to elitepromomarketing.com it is quiet here is brendan escott yeah but coyotes owner chairman and governor alex marullo has executed a letter of intent to purchase a bit of land located in mesa arizona to be the uh, potential site for a sports arena and entertainment district the uh, reported target date for the new arena would be for the start of 2026 27 personally i'll believe that when there's uh, you know a shovel in the ground uh, toronto signing goaltender Martin Jones, one-year, $875,000 deal. The 33-year-old uh, in 48 games with the Kraken last year posted a 2.95 goals against average. Uh, veteran of 444 NHL games over 10 seasons now. He actually started as an undrafted free agent with L.A. back in 2010. And Cal Foote signing a one-year, two-way deal with New Jersey. He links up Ooh. with his brother Nolan there on the Devils roster. Uh, there you have it. And uh, we'll tell you that some guests and orders now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. You can follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Chris and Chef Eltaf that orders now sent you. Roos Chris in Edmonton is open Tuesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. Randy Kelburn's got a global news weather traffic update for you. And then we'll bring aboard Sheldon Kennedy live uh, from the Battle of Alberta Golf Tournament in Red Deer. This is Oilers Now.